Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is one of the most celebrated authors in magic, Roberto Joby. Full disclosure, we started talking and the conversation was so much fun that before I knew it, we had enough for multiple episodes. This week is part one where we discuss what makes a good author and a good book. Nicola Capo stops by the show to discuss the featured product of the week from Nicholas Lawrence. Before all of that, the show kicks off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians talk about their favorite tricks. And this week, I'm joined by the hilarious comedy magician and noted spring snake fanatic Eric Buss to tell me his five favorite tricks in under five minutes in a segment we call the top five under five. Eric Buss, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast no for the top problem. five uh, under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes. And these can be in no particular order, but let's start with number five. Number five. Um, I am a big fan of Tiny Plunger by John Armstrong. What a solid trick. Here's how cool it is. I own the trick and when I watch him do it, uh, I, he fools me. It's, it's he, <laughs> yes, I hundred percent. That says less about me than it does <laughs> more about me than it does about him. But uh, I love the concept. I love the silly toy mm-hmm. mixed with mind-blowing card tricks. If you are unfamiliar with Tiny Plunger, essentially what it is is you get a small plunger and the plunger is psychic. or as, It's smart. Like you tell it, uh, it does a guess your weight routine where you like whisper it a number and it cuts that many uh, cards off the deck. You have somebody pick a card, lose it in the deck, and then it is able to cut to that card. You have it think of a, uh, you have somebody think of a card and the Tiny Plunger is able to cut to the deck to the card they're only thinking of. It's an amazing trick created by John Armstrong. Yes, it's super fun. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to number four. Um, I'm also a big fan of Martin Lewis's. Have you seen his close-up Magic Square pad? No, I haven't. It's all, all the work is done for you. I bought it at the SAM right before the pandemic, 2020, yeah. January, SAM in Vegas. Martin Lewis, it's a tiny spiral pad of paper. Yeah. You know, three inches by five inches, whatever. You open it up, and there's a bunch of blank squares. And then snap your finger, and a bunch of those squares are already filled in. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and that's a magic moment. Yeah. Now you fill in like four more squares based on the number they pick, and then bam, all the squares add up. That's so good. I'm not a math guy, and that's the way I would do Magic Square, because half the math is done for you. It's really cool. Magic Square is one of those deceptively powerful tricks where you're mm-hmm. like, it's just adding numbers up, but then it, when you add up all the columns that oh, equal yeah. the same number, people the rows, nuts. same number. Yeah, and I hate go- math, and I don't, I don't do mentalism, and I hate math. I watch that trick, and I get excited. I, uh, I look forward to the day that you do start doing visual sight gag mentalism. <laughs> I've thought about it. Let's move on to number three. Um... I am a big fan of Double Cross by oh. Chris. Uh, it's I think it's B Smith or Chris Smith. Chris Smith, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, uh, yeah. Double Cross is just brilliant. It's uh, yeah. You draw. You have a sharpie. You draw an X on your hand, and it vanishes from your hand and reappears on your spectator's hands. It's almost too powerful. And it yes, and it is not with ash like yeah. before. It is not with drawing on your hand. It is not with stickiness. It is it's yeah. completely self-contained practical and modern version of that. It's brilliant. My understanding is that he recently released like an upgrade pack to it so that you can do more than Xs. There's like hearts and oh, like all kinds maybe. of other stuff and Little I stamps. I yeah. think that that's I'm going to start doing. I mean, it's so good. It's yeah, Double Cross comes up all the time because it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hit me it's with a good one. hit me with number 2. I'm also a huge fan of Sean Begonia's work and the deck TR. Um, Ooh, I don't know this. What is the, this? It's basically a deck thread reel. Oh. It's in a playing card deck box that used, looks like a regular box. That's but it's so a cool. whole electronic thread reel that is uh, you can program. It has a button to go live, push, 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 and the thing bounces, you know, whatever you're floating bounces. Um, it's 
all it, it's a it's an electronic thread reel, but it's brilliantly mm-hmm. camouflaged in a deck of cards. Oh, and he's that. built it in a way the switch is easy to get to, the speed control is easy to get to, program is e- is easy. And you, if you're doing close up and you have a deck of cards on the table, and then you go into a floating routine, yeah, they're staring right at the box that is doing the magic, but they have no idea. I love that. I love really intelligently designed like invisible thread stuff. And this sounds. And I'm definitely going to check this out. Yeah, it's really cool. All right, that brings us to number one. I think it's now hack at this point, which I think is the (laughs) biggest compliment you can get as a magician to invent something that becomes so popular, it is now hack magic, and that's Kevin James' Bolarama. Bolarama. Yes. When that came on the market in 2000, I looked at the article. I had just finished a bunch of gigs, so I actually had money as a 20-something-year-old, and I looked at the the ad in Magic Magazine Mm -hmm. and went, 700 bucks? I just made a bunch of money. I'm buying this now. And I ordered one immediately. And I did it in my show for years. I then turned it into my own routine with a butterball turkey instead of a bowling ball. Um, But the trick itself is still just brilliant. It's uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, you have a big pad of paper. You flip over the cover. If there's a blank piece of paper, you draw a bowling ball on it. And then when you 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 cover it back up with the the cover and then a bowling ball drops out of this thin you know sketch pad and seeing your version of it is it made me want to do interesting and unique things with it because Eric Bus draws a bowling ball and then he turns it into a turkey and a frozen turkey like a 30 pound frozen turkey falls out of this pad of paper it's amazing well, I draw a ball and I write ball and yeah. then I draw the head wings and feet and then I write butter so yeah. it's butter ball turkey and then bam a frozen turkey pops out it's so good i did that for years and but even with the bowling ball it's yeah yeah, it's still a classic it's an amazing trick well eric bust we're 20 seconds over but i think that still qualifies for the top five under five thanks so much for joining us thanks to eric bust for joining me on the show you'll have to keep an ear out for his interview coming out later this year as well as the incredible penguin live lecture we just taped with him heads up it has a lot of confetti now on to the main event Most magicians' first introduction to Roberto Joby is Card College, a curriculum designed to teach the fundamentals and beyond of magic with a deck of cards. It's a series of books that has a home on every serious card magician's shelf. Roberto has continued to publish important works like The Art of Deck Switching, Secret Agenda, and many more, and his books have been published in more languages than I knew existed. With his new book, Sharing Secrets, coming out this week, I knew I had to talk to him via Zoom about the meticulous work that is authoring a magic book, and now you get to join our conversation. Roberto Jobby, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I, uh, I'm a massive fan of your work. As I look to my left, uh, there's about two feet of shelf space that has your name <laughs> on it. Very good. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't start uh, this by asking you, you know, as, as one of the more celebrated authors in magic, what do you think it takes to make a good author in magic? But the short answer is... You have to have something to say. That's the first thing. And second, you need to be able to say it. Because let's face it, writing is a profession of its own. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because you are a very good magician or maybe you have a very good understanding of it that you're automatically also able to transmit that uh, ability or the contents uh, of magic, you know, that make you a, a good performer. So, yeah, that's the short answer. The longer answer is, of course, if you what uh, that you have something to say is there are different ways, there are different um, target audiences and there are different types 
of, of books. And that also you need to know before you start to write a book. So is it uh, something on history or, or a biography you're writing? Is it a technical book about uh, tricks? Or is it a, are you an original writer about original stuff? Are you writing a, a book about the, the magic of, of someone else? Are you, so depending on that, it, it takes a, a different set of skills to uh, communicate that. Um, yeah, and I would. I wrote. I think I wrote about the subject in the foreword to stand-up card magic, uh, which I asked myself, "What is uh, a good magic book?" And I also wrote just in the, I think, in the July issue of uh, Genie, I wrote a little essay on titled. Why? Why did you do this, Mister Jobby? Alluding a little bit to the <laughs> to the Truffaut interview with uh, Hitchcock. How did you do this, Mister Hitchcock? Because you, as an author, you always have to ask yourself, why am I going to write this book? So first, it, either it is very original. This is this is the hardest part to do, uh, the hardest type of book uh, to write, and there are. Not so many. Um, another question is, um, can you throw a new angle to a certain subject? Well, that certainly has merit. Can you tell something to the target audience that they did not know? So, And that makes one of the criteria is, is to, uh, when, when the reader stops reading the book, he or she should know more uh, than he or she knew before and not just content wise but also a good book should open doors and windows that is teach more than just what the subject of the book is about um, that is if you're writing well i take my own case it's such as a I, I know best like card college mm -hmm. i believe that one of the reasons this has been such a success is that the books are not just about techniques and tricks and presentations, uh, which, you know, if that would be enough to, to make a good magician, but they also open up uh, doors and windows to concepts, principles, and strategies which go beyond uh, the mere magic and show how magic is uh, connected to other uh, fields so uh, to other to the arts to philosophy to psychology to communication to practically anything i i, I like the metaphor where i say ma magic is like a faceted diamond every facet connects to some discipline of uh, of, of life and and that's well typically let's take volume two of card college that has uh, uh, the last chapter chapter 27 is the theory chapter there are seven big essays about what i think are the big uh, theoretical concepts and at the end of each chapter i give at least a dozen recommendation of books and most of these books are not magic books mm -hmm. you know, they, are, they, are, they are books about uh, all types uh, of, of disciplines that relate to how the human being expresses 
himself and uh, how so it's about arts and philosophy and psychology and about memory and about uh, so many other things that as we know uh, connect to magic and uh, well which i've tried to uh, sum up in a way in 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 my, my latest book which is sharing secrets and we're going to probably talk about that also yeah, that's that's a few things. It's it's a big topic. What makes a good author? What makes a good book? Mm-hmm. These are just a few ideas. I guess uh, I, I do want to talk about the new book for and for listeners who don't know about this, uh, Roberto has a, a, a really wonderful new book that I've I've had the chance to read just a little bit of. But um, so chapter twenty seven in volume two of Card College is interesting because for me it was the first time that I was that I'd ever read or was told by another magician, if you want to get better at magic, you need to become a well-rounded individual. Uh, It was, it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, But I I want to jump all the way back to what you started with is what you said. You, you need to have something to say. And I think the everybody, I think that many magicians want to say something and share with that. But I guess the real question is, how do you know that what you have to say is original or valuable to the community? And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, where they, they want to be valuable, but how do you know that it is? Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Revamp from Nicholas Lawrence. Nick Lacapo joined me via Discord to discuss one of the most visual torn and restored bills ever. Nick, how many times are we going to be on the podcast talking about some insane invention that Nicholas Lawrence has created to melt your brain? I feel like it's my only job these days is I just talk about Nicholas Lawrence. I'm just trapped in this room with this microphone talking about Nicholas Lawrence and the crazy, stupid things he makes. We're ta- which one are we talking about now? We're talking about Revamp, which is quite possibly... Oh, yeah, that one. It's one of the most visual, torn and restored dollar bills I've ever seen. It's so cool. It yeah, you, comes with me to every gig you a, now. You get a dollar, you just tear the corner off of it, and you show it separately, and then you just kind of like do this cool... like. Just like flick, you put you put the you put the corner on the edge of the bill, and then you just like flick the bill, and it visually restores. I know I sound angry about it because I kind of <laughs> am, because uh, it just is like it's just super visual, super clean, super easy to do. It's all it's already made for you, and he just seems to come up with this stuff like uh, it's no big deal. Uh, but yeah. these are not just no big deal; these are amazing, amazing effects. This is a really interesting gaff. You're going to get a full explanation by Nicholas Lawrence. You're going to see full performances. He even teaches a version where you can like uh, use a, a signed bill, where you can borrow yeah. the bill, tear it, restore it, and then hand it back. He teaches a, a couple of different versions. And the really interesting thing about the gimmick is, uh, not only do you get a full uh, tutorial on, so you get one in the box that is pre-made for you. So you can start using it Yeah, you get a pre-made gimmick, yeah. And then uh, I actually teach you how to make it. So if you wanted to make it with another bill, you totally could. Uh, and the the way it works is like almost more pleasing than the trick itself when you find out how it works. It's just yeah, like... It's so crazy. Yeah. And like I'm familiar with Nicholas's stuff, you know? And still when I watch that, I'm like... All right, what the what yeah. what is what is going on with this bill? I mean, obviously we know it's a it's a gimmicked bill, but like how could it possibly be doing what it's doing? And then when you get it, yeah, it's like this weird convertible dollar bill yeah. that's going to blow your mind. And I like <laughs> that you just used the word convertible because the people who know are just laughing themselves silly right now and the people who don't know who are about to buy it are just going to be like, "What? Oh, that's what he means. Conver- oh, that's hilarious. It's so good." Amazing, amazing trick. 
That was Revamp by Nicholas Lawrence, available at PenguinMagic.com. As always, our loyal listeners get 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter our special discount code. This week, that code is MONEYMAGIC. That's MONEYMAGIC, all one word, M-O-N-E-Y-M-A-G-I-C, for 25% off Revamp. That code is only good until the next episode of this show airs. Just enter it at checkout and you'll get 25% off of Revamp. Now, back to my conversation with Roberto Joby. The real question is, how do you know that what you have to say is original or valuable to the community? And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, where they, they want to be valuable, but how do you know that it is? Or is it just a belief? It's a big or? question. It's a big question. You know, I think life is a, it's really a, a, you're walking a fine line between underestimating and the overestimating yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need m- many years and and, exp- and and lots of experience. Uh, sometimes, if you don't have the chance to be to hum- humble and modest to begin with, to, to become humble and modest. Because I mean, first of all, writing a book is an immodest mm-hmm. uh, undertaking because sort of you're putting yourself in front of the others and and you say, I have something to say which you don't know. Or, or which you should read, you know. This is quite presumptuous. So uh, I think that if you talk to 10 different authors, you will get 10 different answers. Mm-hmm. Now, in my case, I can say that uh, even, even I did not know that quote by Picasso who said the difference between a, a, a merchant and an artist is, you know, the the craftsman or the, 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 the merchant, he does what he sells and the artist sells what he does. So, of course, you can write a book by, by saying, oh, let's see what uh, the market consists of and what they need and what should I write to sell something, etc. So that's, that's how you can approach any field, of course, mm-hmm. and, and you can approach magic like that as well. Uh, I must say, if I look at the, the books, there are now uh, 18 books I think I wrote. Um, and with the translations, they are, they are almost 80 or, or even a bit more than 80 books. Uh, if I look at these books, I must say that none of these books have been written by, uh, you know, thinking, oh, what does the, the, the market need and what, how can I sell that and etc. It's always been that I've been studying a particular subject or magic in general for years that I have most of the uh, cases developed a lecture about that uh, topic first. Actually, I made a recent count. I have now uh, almost 60 different lectures, you know, different subjects. I have made a lecture uh, of um, the shortest, uh, I think 20 minutes, and and the longest is is like a a two-day uh, masterclass, and as a consequence, uh, let, let's take a, an example. For uh, as, uh, one day, I thought, well, I need to do a different kind of lecture, and I said, well, why don't I t- do a lecture about divernment? So that's that interesting because you not only have tricks and techniques, but you always also have a colorful character behind each one. So that would make an interesting uh, lecture, and indeed, it was one of the most successful. And so I have done this for for years. I've done this in Italy and France and Spain and uh, even in the, in the USA. I did it several times. I did it in Las Vegas and, uh, and, and I did it in Toronto at David Benz. And then after about five or six years, and people were keep asking, well, do you have some notes about it? Now, I had written some notes, 
But do you have a recording of that? And finally, uh, Andy Gladwin and Joshua Jay uh, invited him to do a magic session, and and we and they recorded that, you know. So that that was a typical way how a product of mine has uh, has come about. And Card College, well, I've said is another interview, so I won't repeat it here. <laughs> just say it very quickly in, in in fifteen seconds. I had been taking so many notes. I'm a note person, you know, through my um, background. Um, I was just used to take a lot. No, I, I just love taking notes. So because I have a bad memory, so after 10, 10 years or so, I had like well, there a dozen notebooks with thousands of notes. I most about card magic, and I said I need to put these into some kind of order. And at the same time, in in, in the German speaking countries, they did not have something like Royal Road, you know, or the Bill Tar books or the you know beginner books. So this, this also had an influence. And then I started to put them in a certain order. And I say, what order could they put them in? Well, I put them in an order of a curriculum that could be taught to somebody who starts in magic, in card magic, doesn't know anything, and wants to become very proficient in it. And that was the way I put together card college. So that, again, was the result of many years of studies that I finally uh, put to paper. And this is true for for any, you know, the agendas were the, the, the secret hindered agenda and the, the secret Twitter, which is the third in the, a few people know, but that was a project where you got every day, you got a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you can still buy it as a PDF of my yeah. web shop, but that was an interesting project too. And that collected all those notes that I thought were very good, but I could not fit in you know art of switching decks or a card college or stand-up card magic or or all the other projects i've done you know so uh, yeah now we talk about many details we're coming back to your mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it still has to do with your your your, uh, your initial question of course of of how you you know that you have something to tell so yeah so, so i so enthusiasm alone, of course, is, is not enough. Although if enthusiasm is coupled with above average talent and inspiration, normally the result will be good. I mean, the worst examples we see are on YouTube, where uh, because the, let's say, the barrier, the the sieve is 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 not existent. You can just put yourself in front of of a camera mm-hmm. and without any knowledge and skill and pra- of anything practically, you just do what you do. You know, mm-hmm. the the book at least has a has a has a big filter because you you need to you know to know how to how to write and you in what order to put things and then etc. So there are then you have to to do a little layout or even with the modern softwares which are very intuitive it's still it's several difficulties you have Mm -hmm. to pass through so uh well i guess of course you have to talk to others you have to listen to to others and have a group a small group of friends who are sincere and honest with with each other you know and uh and, and you have to be able that's the most difficult one of the most difficult things in life is to accept uh let's say criticism constructive criticism you know, this is, this is very hard because any idea you produce, <laughs> yeah. it's like your own farts as best, doesn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, and this is, this is, a, it's like your own child, of course. You love it. You, that, that's, that's how it should be. You love your own child. 
in spite of anything else. And so you have to build criteria also over the years with experience and study and knowledge. And on all these things, getting feedback, uh, developing a certain uh, humbleness and certain critical sense, um, acquiring knowledge. I mean, it's also important to know what already exists. That's as simple as it sounds, a difficult thing, because you might have a great idea, but of course, this has already been thought of. And of, let's face it, it's uh, many great ideas have already been thought of. Of course, the, the art sometimes resides in, in thinking it again or giving it a new angle or a more practical angle. But uh, if you look at, at the literature now, it's... Uh, but it's, it's a lot of variation. Uh, since I, I mentioned Truffaut and, and Hitchcock, one of the questions Truffaut asks, uh, said, is there anything new in filmmaking? And, and Hitchcock says, well, actually, uh, there are not, no new plots and no new conflicts and things. This is uh, basically, it's, it's, all, it's always the, the, the plots, they remain the same. What has changed is, of course, uh, the tools to uh, uh, stage them, you know, mm. the technologies. Now, now you, you don't see the film trim. You, you look at the Méliès films from around the centuries, and then you look at the, the movies in the, in the 50s, you know, uh, and then you, you can, of course, see that the, uh, the, there's a, a backdrop and things. Mm. Now, all of this has disappeared now that the, the realism is incredible. Yeah. You know? But the content... The, the, the plot, you know, there is very little new there. It's just the tempo changes, the cuts change, the brutality changes, you know, in movies. Then they take the, for political correctness, nobody is, is smoking a cigarette, but as a compensation, they are taking drugs, drink a lot of alcohol and vomiting, you know, because <laughs> they, they, they still want to, to, to get an effect. Mm -hmm. So uh, and in magic, similar similar things can happen. You take things out and you put things in, and it's not always for the better, but occasionally it is for the better, and that's why we are advancing. Mm -hmm. You you need to to put in a lot of crack to keep a, a little bit of good. You know, uh, Einstein he, <laughs> I found this very inspirational. He said, as a scientist, you have to have the courage. I think he even said, I have to have the courage to eliminate about ninety percent of what I'm coming up with. Mm. And when I read that, that was a paradigm shift, I can tell you, Eric, because I, sa I said, man, if, if Einstein, who's recognized as the genius in the history of civilization, says of himself that he's eliminating 90% of what he's coming up with, well, gee, I should eliminate like 99.9% .9 not being a genius, you know. I certainly uh, need to eliminate yeah. more of my own work now that I think about that. <laughs> Well, you know that would be good for for uh, for for um, many who publish. You know, and yeah. just think about it. Another thing which uh, I was reminded of very recently, which is uh, are the the three sieves of Socrates. I'm sure uh, many are familiar with that, but for the maybe for the younger generation, Socrates, who was the the Greek philosopher and the the chief teacher of. Platon, and who was the teacher of Aristotle, the, the, the beginning of the, 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 the classic um, 
Greek philosophy. Well, he, he's there is this little story where a man comes up to Socrates and says, well, Socrates, I have something to tell you about a friend of yours. And Socrates says, well, stop. Before you're telling me this, let's pass it through the three sieves. Mm. What, what three sieves? He said, well, the first thing, is it true? And the young man mm. says, well, I'm not so sure because I've been told by somebody else. Say, so, oh, okay, so uh, maybe, well, let's see. Let's pass it to the second sieve. Um, is it is it anything good you can is it something positive you can say mm-hmm. and the young man says well actually not it's it's not so good and you won't like it and they say okay then let's pass it through the third sieve is it necessary and useful mm-hmm. that is do i need to know that uh, and the young man says oh, no really you don't <laughs> and he went off mm-hmm. and didn't tell anything <laughs> so i think this is also something that we could use nowadays, especially in the social media, mm-hmm. where so many irrelevant things are being published, you know, to think again of the three sieves of Socrates, and uh, and if it, if it passes through the three sieves, then publish it, but then probably the social media would be mm-hmm fairly empty wouldn't they i know i know most of my social media posts <laughs> would be empty let's let's shift the conversation a little bit to your new book that's gonna do it for this week kids thanks so much to roberto joby for the conversation and thanks to you for listening next week on the show we dive into roberto's brand new book sharing secrets this incredible collection of performance theory from a diverse cross section of the magic world is a fascinating read and is one of the first times that someone has endeavored to give us a codified way to discuss such an ineffable topic you are not gonna want to miss this As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform where you find out about new shows from your favorite magicians on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll just have to come see me next week at the Mystique Dining Theater in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'll be performing some brand new magic of my own that no one has ever seen before, as well as road testing some magic that Penguin will be releasing later this year. Just look up Mystique Dining for ticket information. But, you know, if you can't get to the SLC, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. <laughs>